Hello and welcome to Max Politics. This is Ben Max from Gotham Gazette, a publication of Citizens Union Foundation. Thanks very much for tuning in here for this episode of the show. Election Day 2022 is upon us. We're speaking here on Monday, November 7th, the day before Election Day. You may be listening to this on that day or on Election Day itself to uh, get a rundown of what's coming up here. And while we focus a lot on the governor's race between Democratic Governor Kathy Hochul and Republican Congressman Lee Zeldin, as well as the state controller race and others. On this episode of the show, we're focused on the New York State Senate, a key legislative body, of course, the upper house of the legislature, where there are 63 seats, all of which are up for election this year, along with all of the 150 seats in the state assembly. Both chambers are currently home to Democratic supermajorities, but as recently as 2018, Republicans held a narrow majority in the state Senate, and the GOP is very hopeful, and for some good reason, that after Democrats won many seats over the last two election cycles, this will be a year of Republican gains, retaking a number of seats and drawing the GOP into some striking distance of perhaps retaking the majority in the next round of state elections in 2024. But there's also been redistricting, which in some ways helped Republicans, especially in terms of the special master-drawn districts, as opposed to what Democrats had drawn and were hopeful for in terms of legislative districts to advantage them further. But population shifts and the undoing of some prior gerrymandering that favor Republicans has also meant that there are basically two brand new state Senate seats in New York City, both of which are likely to be won by Democrats. And there's a complicated overall picture of the shifting trends and districts and more. Still, Democrats are bracing for losses in the state Senate and Republicans are quite hopeful. The question seems to be exactly what the net gain of Republican seats in the state Senate will be, whether it will be just a few, a small handful, or closer to double digits. New York State Senate Republican leader Rob Orr joins me today. He's the minority leader of the state Senate. He represents the 62nd state Senate district, which includes all of Niagara and Orleans counties and parts of Monroe County. Minority leader Orr has held that position since June 2020. He's been a state senator since 2015. Leader Ort, thanks for joining me. How are you? Ben, thanks for having me. Uh, I am uh, I am well. Uh, it is uh, in the seventies in November in New York, so you know you you got to take you got to take the blessings when you get them. So I'm good and uh, good to be with you. All right, thanks for thanks for joining me here on a very busy day. Uh, as I understand it, you're you're traveling the state, of course, as you're helping to lead Republican efforts in the state Senate battles of this election. There are many competitive races here. Um, before we get into some specifics, the current playing field in the state Senate, 63 seats. There's one vacancy, which was recently held by a Democrat on Long Island. We'll get back to that in a second. One vacancy of the 63, 42 Democrats, 20 Republicans. You are very hopeful about this election. Before we get into any specifics here, what do you see as the sort of realistic but Republican ideal uh, outcome here. These elections wrap up this week. Hopefully there's not a lot of long drawn out recounts or anything like that. Um, what's what's your goal here, your reach goal of how many seats Republicans have in the state Senate after this year's elections? What are you hoping for? Well, you know, it's uh, I, I as you can imagine, I get this question <laughs> a lot. And uh, I always say, you know, if I, if I could do if I could nail it down to the number, I, I would 
be in Vegas or doing something right. other than, than this. But I look at, I think our, our first and foremost goal, I mean, the, the long-term goal is always the same ultimately to, to regain the majority in the state Senate. Um, and you know, that is, that should be every minority party's goal. And it's certainly our conference's goal. Uh, but that doesn't mean that there's a lot of steps in between there and here and where we are today. I think the immediate goal is and, and remains, uh, to end the Democratic supermajority, uh, which they, of course, currently have. Uh, and that's not insignificant. That, you know, that means they essentially have a quorum without the Republican senators uh, even being in attendance. They can pass what they want to without us even being there. And that is certainly not something that we enjoy. That is certainly not something that I think is to the benefit of the state. So uh, we need two net seats to break that majority, uh, I absolutely uh, believe that that is going to happen. And then I think the question becomes, you know, how many more seats can we gain uh, beyond that? You know, is it uh, 25? Is it 26? Is it 27? There are 14 seats that we are competing in and that we can win. We can win all 14 of those. We can win 11 of those. Uh, And so, you know, we're very optimistic about our ability to not only break that supermajority and 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 the veto proof majority which could be very significant depending on the outcome of the governor's race yes but i think you know uh we we believe that you know the narrative will be the republicans grew our conference ended the supermajority and you know have have you know brought some balance back uh to at least one house of the state legislature yeah when you are um focusing your resources here you mentioned uh what'd you say 14 races Mm-hmm. <laughs> that that includes trying to uh, needing to hold a few of your own, correct? That's right. That's right. So, okay. So um, yep. yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, so out of those fourteen, you know, competitive seats, uh, two of them are held are are sort of in because of redistricting. It's sort of a unique situation. Two of them are our members, which have been paired with their members, right? So you have two, a couple of these districts. You have incumbents, right. You have two incumbents, right. two sets of incumbents running against each other. It's very That's correct. That's yeah. correct. Yeah, so yeah. that's a very unique sort of aspect that comes out of a redistricting year or at least this redistricting year. Mm-hmm. And then the, the remainder are areas where they're either new seats, uh, where there are no incumbents, or there were, we feel we are on offense against Democratic incumbents. Um, we're not going to get to all 14 of these seats. I don't want to, I don't want to have everybody <laughs> listening, get into all the, into that to that. I will say for folks, anybody who wants to follow along, we did a rundown at Gotham Gazette, very brief uh, for people of just races to watch in the 2022 general election. We went through house races, we went through state Senate races, some assembly races. So people can look at that and just get a, the gist of where these races are in, in geography, who's running and just get the lay of the land there. Uh, at, at that article. And then others have, of course, been covering this too, including City and State and the New York Times and others. Um, but let's highlight a couple. Uh, I, I've been talking to lots of different sources in terms of, of hopes and fears for Democrats, hopes and fears for Republicans and so forth. Um, you know, I think Democrats are coming around to sort of a, a realistic view that they they think they'll probably lose at least three or four seats as you're getting at here. Um, but you know, nobody knows till the votes are cast. Of course, Long Island seems to be like a major area for potential pickups. Democrats have flipped a number of seats on Long Island in the last couple of, uh, elections, but then last year was a, a big Republican year on Long Island in district attorney, county executive and other races. 
I imagine Long Island is where you're focusing a lot of your resources and attention. What are what are some of the the sort of fault lines there? What are you hoping for on Long Island? So we we believe that we can, quite frankly, uh, win. I, I I think we will come back with seven to eight members from Long Island in our conference. I feel very wow. optimistic about Patricia Kent. Scenario Fitzpatrick, uh, that is the vacant seat, quote unquote, right? They, they were where uh, uh, Todd Kaminsky, uh, you know, he resigned, and that's sort of the part of the area. Of course, all these seats have changed. Yeah, everything's changed. Yeah. But uh, but that's the that's uh, uh, a seat that we feel Patricia has run a terrific campaign. Uh, we our campaign team has been heavily involved uh, in her in her race. Uh, the Nassau GOP has been heavily involved. Uh, in her race. Uh, and to have that partnership, uh, I think has been very, very helpful and, and, and a big key uh, to our, our, uh, our hopes for success there. Jack Martins, uh, former Senator Jack Martins, uh, who has obviously won uh, in tough districts on Long Island. He is running against Anna Kaplan. Uh, I am very hopeful uh, and optimistic that Jack is going to once again be Senator Jack Martins uh, when the votes are counted. And then Steve Rhodes against John Brooks, I think by most prognostications, uh, maybe their most endangered member on the Democratic side. Uh, I feel very, very confident that Steve Rhodes is going to be Senator Steve Rhodes uh, when this is over. And then those are all in Nassau. Over in Suffolk, we have a terrific candidate, Wendy Rodriguez, a Latina female, a mother of, uh, of three, businesswoman, uh, has run a terrific campaign. And uh, we expect Lee Zeldin to do very well in Suffolk and on mm-hmm. Long Island. And we think Wendy Rodriguez uh, uh, you know, can take that seat, which would give us a full complement in mm-hmm. Suffolk County with our partner, uh, Chairman Jesse Garcia down there. So mm-hmm. I think those are the seats. And that, that, that one you just mentioned, yeah, just just for a moment, that one you sure. mentioned is such an interesting race because you have uh, former state Senator Monica Martinez as the Democratic nominee there. That's right. So you're looking right. at a, a interesting Suffolk County race, two Latinas uh, against each other there. Uh, as you mentioned, former state Senator Martin's come trying to come back. You have former state Senator Martinez trying to come back there. So very interesting dynamics in, in that race. And you get at something interesting. I want to come back to some other battleground races and such. But you mentioned something very interesting, of course, which is Lee Zeldin as a Republican nominee for governor here, Suffolk County congressman. Obviously, uh, the, the trend on Long Island from last year's elections, as I mentioned, Republican Zeldin. Uh, very likely juicing up Republican turnout being from Long Island on Long Island um, might not need any juicing up, even if there was a Republican nominee from elsewhere in the state for, for this election. But um, say a little bit more about sort of the the continuity uh, among the Zeldin candidacy and the state Senate races on Long Island in particular. What's that look like? Um, you know, what are you seeing, especially Suffolk? very likely to be extremely strong. Uh, Nassau, always a little bit, uh, you know, more democratic and, and potentially what, what, what are you seeing on the ground there in the coordination with your campaigns and the Zeldin campaign and how Nassau especially might, might look? Yeah. I, so I think, um, there is definitely, you know, uh, early on myself, uh, and Congressman Zeldin had conversations about trying to you know, marry some of our operations where we could, as far as messaging, as far as coordination, um, you know, that that's always, I think helpful 
uh, when the top of the ticket is running, whether it's messaging, whether it's, uh, uh, you know, getting out the vote, you know, coordinating volunteers. There's only so many resources, uh, particularly in, in parts of this state. So you want to try to, uh, uh, you know, cross load resources and support each other where you can. I think the, the Congressman Zelda is going to do very well in Suffolk. I think he's going to do very well in NASA. I think you saw uh, the Nassau GOP uh, and our Chairman Cairo and his organization down there. They were a big part of helping elect uh, uh, Annie Donnelly to the DA race. They were a big part of helping elect Bruce Blakeman to the county executive. They picked up seats in the legislature. Um, and I don't want to also lose sight of the issues, the issues that are, are driving this. This isn't just, you know, politicos. Sure. A, I was coming to the issues. Don't they, worry. I was coming. And, I, and, and I'm not trying to get ahead of your, your it's your, no, go your ahead, program. Go ahead, but, please. you know, certainly I think on Long Island, there's a lot of issues, you know, whether it's congestion pricing, whether it's the economy, but I think public safety certainly been front and center of our messaging. And I think that just has done or for the, uh, for Congressman ground infrastructure really behind, I think just gives us a lot of uh, optimism on the Island that maybe we can even win a seat or two that maybe on paper, you would sit there and say, this is probably a democratic seat, but I think you're going to see uh, us win seats that maybe we otherwise quote unquote, shouldn't win, but for our great candidates and the work they're doing. But your, your point of the Zeldin camp, you know, helping our, our uh, candidates, it's been a long time, Ben, and you probably, as someone who's followed statewide politics, it's been a long time since we've had a candidate at the top of the ticket on the governor's race that has had tailwinds, that has been able to, you know, help our members as well as our members helping them. And I think that's just been a, uh, it, it, that has not been the case for many cycles. It is certainly the case this year. And that's another reason for us to be optimistic. Um, the One of the cross currents to that obviously has been the issue of abortion, which um, in the suburbs, especially can, you know, can influence how things swing, especially uh, among women voters, but not exclusively the Supreme Court's ruling overturning Roe v. Wade, obviously uh, playing a significant measure into elections all over the country, including in New York. How much has that been something that you felt has undercut some of the Republican momentum, especially um, in places like Nassau County? Is there ways we've seen we've seen Congressman Zeldin release this, you know, fairly stunning ad where he promises not to do anything about New York's abortion law to try to, un to, to try to shift, you know, that, that talking point. Um, how much has that uh, you think shifted any of the momentum that you otherwise would have had uh, in more full throttle on Long Island? You know, it's, it's certainly um, when, when the decision I think came down, there was initially, you know, it, it obviously changed instead of just talking about crime and public safety and the economy, obviously that interjected this issue into the, the conversation. But I got to tell you, since then, and as we move into the final, you know, hours here, um, I have looked at, you know, poll after poll. I've talked to voters and people across the state. And I think what you've seen is that while certainly people care about this issue, on both sides, I want to add, meaning there are strong pro-life folks who care about this and strong pro-choice. So it's an important issue. But, you know, it's not the only issue. And it's not even the only issue to women. 
you know, when you talk about public safety, sure. women care about public safety. Uh, women care about the economy and making sure their kids stay here and can afford to live in New York. They can afford to help pay, you know, and feed their families and take care of them. And so I think what we're seeing is that women are not one issue blocks of voters. Sure. They care about abortion. But I continue to feel and believe, and I think the data backs it up, and the messaging backs it up. And if you look no further than Governor Hochul's messaging down the stretch here, it's much more talking about our issues yeah. and the issues she would like to be talking about. I think that shows you that while the abortion issue is, is important to voters, there are a lot of issues at this time that have been important to voters that Democrats have refused to engage on. And I think, you know, that's what we've seen from our campaigns, from our data, from yeah. everything we've done crisscrossed in the state. I haven't been able to dig in on every race there on Long Island, but um, are there some Republican candidates for state Senate who are are pro-choice, are running on, you know, not being, you know, again, there, there's very complicated discussions here, as we've seen in the governor's yes. race about what exactly yes. would happen, wouldn't happen, New York law being unchanged by the Supreme Court decision, all sorts of nuance to this. But do you have Republican candidates on Long Island who are running on on being pro-choice? We have candidates on Long Island have run on the idea of supporting common sense uh, restrictions around abortion, meaning they, they, they do not favor late term abortion as the Democrats do. They do not favor non-doctors performing abortion as Democrats do. Uh, and you mentioned an important point. The Supreme Court decision actually allows states like New York to continue uh, to provide abortion. They also, some of our candidates, I, I think all of our candidates, they do not support services. So you could even, you know, you could be for, uh, you could be for choice for pro, a pro-choice candidate or a pro-choice person. Um, you know, I'm for infrastructure development, but I don't want my dollars paying for infrastructure development in Massachusetts. I want them paying for it in, in New York. So I think that's the position our candidates have staked out uh, I don't know that any of our candidates have run on I'm a quote unquote pro-choice the way it's defined by the Democratic Party today. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think when we talk about where most New Yorkers are on this position, and I believe that poll after poll would back this up, most New Yorkers, while even those who favor access to abortion, that support goes way down the later in the pregnancy you get. And so I would counter, and I have countered that my colleagues across the aisle, in many cases, have the more extreme view around uh, abortion access than many of our candidates, uh, whether it's in New York State or, or elsewhere. But, you know, uh, I think Lee Zeldin's point is well made. Uh, abortion was legal in New York in 1970. Roe, of course, was was codified in, uh, or put in the law in 73. Um, the Supreme Court decision allows states, obviously, to, to make determinations at the state level. Uh, and I don't think anyone should feel that New York State is suddenly in danger of, of outlawing abortion, um, you know, certainly at this current moment, nor do I see that in the foreseeable future. And I think, you know, there's been a lot of talk about Republicans, you know, I would tell you, is fear-mongering from their issue. Telling people that Lee Zeldin wants to outlaw abortion is an outright lie. Governor Hochul has said it. I watched the commercial the other night during uh, a football game, 
and nothing not only is it untrue but i think that's fear-mongering from the other direction you, and so not 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 to get him back and forth on that but but sure. you, you you don't you don't think it's true that lee zeldin would prefer you know his stance his overall position is is he doesn't believe in in abortion being legal right i think i mean that's I, his, that's his I'm, I'm a pro-life candidate i'm a pro-life candidate and, and I have, have a pro-life voting record, but that does not mean you know, there's a lot of things that Rob Orr would love to do if he was king of the world for a day. But the governor, maybe Kathy Hochul doesn't understand this, is not king of the world. So Lee Zelda would be the governor and he would be the governor of New York and he would uh, prop, almost assuredly have a Democratic uh, assembly um, and albeit a diminished uh, maybe Senate majority, Democratic majority in the Senate. And he's going to have to work to get done what he can get done. Uh, certainly he is a conserv- you know, center right uh, conservative uh, governor should he win. But that does not mean uh, that he his number one issue from day one is going to be to roll back New York's abortion laws. Uh, I think, if anything, uh, his day one issue is going to be to fire Alvin Bragg uh, and repeal cashless bail. That's where Lee, and he's been very clear about that. Sure. And I think that's the real answer for people. You know, if that's your bigger issue, then Lee Zeldin is your candidate. Um, and Lee Zeldin obviously is taking great pains to, uh, to clarify his, you know, political position or his governmental position around uh, the, the issue of abortion. But I think our candidates, you know, again, depending on where they are, they probably range a little bit, yeah. um, but I think I, I don't think any of our candidates have, have said anything except for, uh, you know, that that they're either pro-life or that they, you know, uh, certainly do not support the RHA, some of the late term abortion changes that the Democrats have put forward um, and even things that they continue to push for beyond what they've done. Uh, and so I think that that's, that's where the, I think that's where the issue has sort of landed, at least in this, uh, in this election cycle. Gotcha. Uh, I'm speaking here with Republican state Senate leader, Rob Ort, who is, uh, instrumental in, uh, Republican efforts to win back a number of state Senate seats, protect some of the ones they already have and try to, uh, as he said, at least make a significant dent in the Democrats supermajority in the New York state Senate. Last couple of questions for you, sir. Um, do you see any races in New York City in the state Senate as winnable? Is there one or two districts that you're that you're eyeing? Yeah, please. Yeah, we uh, uh, we have a great candidate uh, in Queens, uh, Stefano Forte, who is running against Toby Stavisky. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's a new district. Uh, so even though Toby has been in the Senate for uh, many, many years and then the assembly before that, uh, this district is is largely different from the district that she has represented. Uh, I don't have to tell you though a lot of those neighborhoods. I mean, in New York City, they change rapidly anyway. So even when you do represent, let's say, a part of Brooklyn uh, for 20 years, that part of Brooklyn is certainly not the same part of Brooklyn that it was 20 years yeah. ago. So you know, I think uh, we've seen uh, it's a, it's a high concentration of uh, Chinese Americans, Asian American population, um, and I know they have really been. Uh, very upset with the education uh, changes that the city of New York has put into place. Uh, Governor Hochul, in large part, has stood by and supported. Uh, The crime, obviously, uh, is an issue in the city. So we feel very optimistic about Stefano's chances. Uh, There are there is a there are two other seats that we're you know we're keeping an eye on one in Brooklyn. Uh, it's sort of a new seat. Uh, part of it used to be represented by, or I guess currently by Gunardas. Um, and then uh, the seat in Staten Island 
that used to be represented or currently is by uh, Diane Savino. So those are our areas we're looking at. Uh, I'll tell you, and I've said this, I firmly believe that the New York State Senate Republican Conference uh, and our party cannot be a governing party. We cannot get to where we want to get to without winning seats in New York City. Uh, obviously, we have Senator Lanza on Staten Island, uh, but we need cycle or next cycle or the cycle after. We are going to win seats in New York City, uh, but I really think Stefano, who's a young man, who has worked very hard. Um, his district was won by Curtis Sliwa in the mayoral election. Um, Vicky Palladino was elected to the city council in that district. Um, and so we feel op- optimistic that that is certainly a very real campaign. It's a very real race. And, uh, uh, you know, if everything goes right, we think we can win that one. And the one of the districts you mentioned there is the new 17th state Senate district in Brooklyn. That one is is interesting. Um, you know, I think, as I said in the intro, the Democrats probably likely to win that one, but it's a new district and and no, you know, no incumbent running. And it includes some areas of Brooklyn uh, as you get out into southern Brooklyn that, um, you know, have been voting more Republican uh, recently. And I'd, I'd be interested in looking at some of the results there from the mayoral election. I know, um, according to the redistricting and you site from the CUNY Graduate Center, um, you know, that was one district, uh, the, the the vote within this new state Senate 17th district is one where uh, even though the Biden vote share was much larger than, than the Trump vote share was not quite the some of the blowouts you see in many other yes. New York City districts. So some interesting tea leaves there, uh, as we say. OK, um, lastly, uh, for you, there's there's so many races here I could ask you about, but I won't go into all of them, as I said, um, the just uh, one or two seats outside of Long Island or New York City that you are uh, most hopeful about flipping. Some people are looking at Senator Scoofus. Uh, there's a couple others, but where do you, where do you rank one or two seats at the top of your list outside of where we've talked about already Long Island, New York city that you think are most ripe for Republican gains? I think, uh, Bill Weber in Rockland, uh, Bill ran last time, uh, came very close to winning. Um, it, he did not have the conservative line two years ago. And the district was a little bit different. There was part of it that went into Westchester. The mm-hmm. new district is wholly within Rockland County. Bill has the conservative line. And we feel very, I've been down there several times with him in, uh, in, that, in, that, in Rockland County. And I feel very optimistic uh, between uh, the Orthodox community uh, and their support for, for in, in large cases, for, for Lee Zeldin, their uh, dissatisfaction with the education and yeshiva issue that Governor uh, Hochul and her Board of Regents uh, handed down, uh, and as well as, you know, Rockland has a county, uh, Republican County Executive. Mm-hmm. Mike Lawler is running up uh, above there in uh, against Sean Patrick Maloney for Congress. So I feel very good about Bill Weber uh, winning against Reichland Melnick. Yeah, there you go. I was just going to say uh, that. That's and, state, state Senator Reichland Melnick. Yeah, go ahead. And then. I also I also am uh, am looking uh, at uh, up in Syracuse, uh, Rebecca Shiroff, uh, uh, female candidate, uh, Cuban Jewish candidate, former businesswoman. Uh, she initially was going to run for the state assembly, and then when the final maps came out, 
she uh, gave me a call and decided she wanted to run for the Senate instead, uh, much to the chagrin of, of Leader Barclay. But uh, she's been a terrific <laughs> candidate. She has, you know, raised money, put her own resources in. Uh, she's running against Senator John Mannion. Um, yeah. That district changed considerably from his current district that he represents. And we feel very, very, very good uh, about central New York, but specifically about Rebecca's ability uh, to defeat John Mannion and return that seat uh, to the Republican column. All right. That's a, that's a good overview of some of the races. And and I, I um, and really, lastly, I wanted to bring up just this question of, you know, there's been a lawsuit over uh, when absentee ballots can be counted. It looks like there's going to be no change on that. And then and the fairly new law that's still in place that allows for canvassing of those ballots, which speeds up the results looks like it's going to stay in place. And that that has helped some of the vote counting be more uh, speedy and accurate and up to date. There's this question of since Democrats tend to vote more by mail and the apps and the use of the absentee ballot, this question of some of the election night red mirage, where it seems like Republicans are going to win certain seats, but they're very close. And then once the absentee ballots are fully counted, it actually turns out to be Democratic wins. What do you what do you say to people who are concerned about, you know, uh, Republicans misleading people by declaring vic- victory on election night when they, when it's too soon to say? Can you assure people that you're going to be careful about that? How are you going to treat you know that issue and the vote counting and making sure that you know we don't have any sort of um, uh, chaos around that or people you know claiming victory when the votes haven't really been tallied yet? How are you addressing that with your candidates? I mean, look at you know all of our candidates and certainly our operation. You know, we're looking at. Um, you know, votes that are out, you know, we, we, we're going to be looking at all those numbers. I think there are, there are certain times when you, you know, you know, the outstanding votes, you look at what you're up on um, and you, you make a, you know, you make a, a determination that uh, if you think you can withstand uh, the outs, you know, the absentee ballots, uh, then you make, you make your call. And, and, you know, I don't, I don't know that, that Democrats have ever worried about that as much. Uh, you know, certainly we're never looking to mislead anybody. I mean, the, at the mm-hmm. end of the day, the win's the win, right? It, you could say you won. If you don't win, then it, it, it sort of does, you know, there's no, there's no gain to sort of misleading someone on election night. Uh, I think, you know, things can get a little crazy. There's a lot of information coming at our candidates, you know, in, in, a, in a, uh, a quick time frame. Uh, but, you know, look at the Democrats, no doubt have made changes to the election law, um, many changes, um, that, uh, it, it, whatever you, however you feel about whatever, the goal is to help democratic candidates. They're, they're not doing this uh, out of, uh, out of a good government, uh, focus that this, the goal is to try and try to grab as many votes out from maybe people who don't normally vote. Um, I can only tell you that in, in all my years in elected office, certainly where I'm from, and I realize it's different from New York city. Um, I've never had anyone call me up and say I wanted to vote and I was unable to do so in some way, shape or form. You can do it by mail. You can do it early voting. You can do it in person. Sure. Um, and so, you know, we yeah. hear constant moves about we have to make voting. we got to make it more easy. we got to make it easier. I mean, at some point, other than casting the vote for the person, I just don't know how much easier we can make it. You understand uh, in, the, in the heightened atmosphere we're in with contingent sure. discussion of the 2020 sure. election and so forth that, that, yep. that, you know, there's heightened concerns about people claiming victory when they shouldn't, uh, not at all oh, saying yeah. it, it's uh, 
you know, we 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 saw this actually in the Queens DA primary a while back with uh, yes, yep. Tiffany Caban and Melinda Katz. Uh, yep. So you know, but 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 typically, yep. as I said, you know, on on election night, there are these issues sometimes where it can seem, you know, we had this in the uh, uh, with Justin Brannon and the city council in Southern Brooklyn. You know, there, there there's issues with this. So I wanted to give you a chance to assure people that you and your candidates for state senator are not looking to mislead anybody on election. No, no, I don't think anyone's looking to mislead anybody. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, people get excited. People, uh, you know, want to, uh, they obviously want to win, right? So so if you think you're up, you know, you, you go off of what your team is telling you sometimes and the vote, again, the, the, the different vote totals. I do think it, it seems like this year there's a better chance that more votes will be in the tally on election night at some yeah. point. And so I think you'll have less of a, uh, you, you, there'll be a more clarity, more eyes on what you're really looking at. Cause I can tell you, you know, two years ago um, on election night, we had 1.1 million ballots absentee that, that had been returned to the board of elections. Right. And we factored that in to our numbers as they were coming back. What we did not know was that in all the drop boxes and such around the state, there were an additional 700,000 absentee ballots that came in over the next several days. They were all postmarked appropriately, but they didn't come back to the book. So that was one of those where like, who could have guessed there'd be yeah, that's, that's many, right? pandemic you know, mass. Yeah. Mass, totally. mass mail right. voting. Yeah. I gotcha. All right. right. Well, listen, um, uh, appreciate the time. Thanks for running through some of this stuff with us. Uh, be well out on the campaign trail in this last day or so. And uh, we'll talk to you after the results come in. Ben, I appreciate uh, I appreciate the time. I appreciate the conversation and we'll talk to you soon. All right. Take care. <laughs>